2021, it's difficult for the average person to imagine that someone born and raised in the United States does not know how to use technology or navigate public transportation or could be overcome with anxiety at the thought of crossing the street. Now imagine being in a position where it's frowned upon to ask for help in those situations or even ask questions because you're expected to just know. I was that person six years ago. For over a decade, I lived in what I call a time capsule. I was eventually released from one of New Jersey's state prisons, but to an area where I had never lived, at an age that people expected me to act in a manner that was foreign to me and without the support needed for my survival. I couldn't get a job because I never had a resume. I couldn't get an apartment because I had no rental, employment, or credit history. I couldn't do the many things that would prevent me from going back to the system designed for me to fail. Unfortunately, I'm not the only neighbor you pass that has a similar reentry experience. So welcome to Hiding in Plain Sight, the neighbors you never hear from. This series will take you on a journey of reentry through the firsthand experiences of six people and where they are today. I recently spoke with a proud veteran who gave a vivid description of the parallels between his time serving in the military and his sentence in New Jersey State Prison. My name is Jason Conway. I'm 43. Um, I'm just coming off 12 and a half years of incarceration. Um, and I currently just got terminated from my job because of my background check. Because after I had been working there for a couple of months, um, my background check came back because they were trying to hire me full time and they had to let me go because of my background. Um, I'm also a college student. I'm in grad school. I'm taking two classes now. You know, learning to navigate that whole Rutgers space is a whole nother ball game from the outside. While food, clothing, housing, and jobs are tangible necessities during reentry, there's a mental health component that is oftentimes left unaddressed. Confinement can lead to delusions, paranoia, depression, suicidal tendencies, substance abuse, post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD, and other maladaptive behaviors. PTSD from his military experience led to his drug addiction. His drug addiction led to his incarceration. And during incarceration, post-incarceration syndrome or PICS surfaced. PICS occurs in individuals either currently incarcerated or recently released. Symptoms are most severe for those who encountered extended periods of solitary confinement and institutionalization abuse. It appears that Jason is currently coping with cumulative effects of both PTSD and PICS. When I first went to prison, I got locked up in 2008. And when I first went to prison, it kind of equated to the military automatically. All right, so it's a lot of one gender, and the military is still like that to this day. And it's a lot of, you know, what guys are in what positions. Because um, the military has rank structure, so you know. And then over time, that equates, you see it in the prison culture as well. You see certain people have certain status from either being in for a long time or their affiliations with whoever they may be affiliated with or whatever the case may be and so prison has its own weird structure and so you catch that you know it's the military is the same way so you caught that real quick and also you know the brass when you have officers and stuff like that the officers in the military are almost the same way as officers downstate um so there was a lot of the same structures which i noticed um you see a lot of these parallels with the military not having freedom in the military you're not, people always, for, they forget and realize this. You don't fall under constitutional law. 
you fall under United States Code of Military Justice. Yeah, so the same rights you have as a citizen, you don't have as a soldier because you fall under a different code of conduct. So it was, it was a little easier for me to adapt, say, somebody who's just coming from the street or whatever the case may be. And so I used that to my advantage when I was in the prison system. Definitely. So now, the same thing, too, with the violence. Um, so you've seen violence in the military amongst each other and also amongst whoever. That, like, I was in Korea for a year, and you see the enemy. Like, you literally see the enemy, and it's that weird feeling because like, that's the enemy, and you don't know why it's the enemy. You just know that that's the enemy. And so you have to treat them a certain way. And so you have to come with that same standard. And so now you equate that to the prison world. Like it's the same. The cops is the enemy. And so because it's set like that, like that's the enemy. And so you have to like fight certain battles and stuff like that. And so the enemy, you know, in military world, you try to kill the enemy. You try to whatever. In the corrections world, you can't do it like that. You can't. Yeah, you can't. That doesn't. No, that's no, that's not going to work. So you have to like mental jujitsu in order to get where you need to get going sometimes. Prior to incarceration, Jason loved and still loves to work with his hands. He is very skilled at and enjoys doing construction work. I've never heard anyone speak about a place to purchase tools like kids speak about candy stores until I met Jason. However, one of his first experiences at Home Depot didn't go quite as planned. It's real weird for me. I, I love Home Depot. It's my toy store. That's where I go. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's just one of those places for me. Like, that's my, you know, Shangri-La for some reason. Like, I just, I love those places. And so to go in there, you know, after not really being around a lot of people, and then you go in there, and you just start seeing people in the aisles, and you start seeing shopping carts, and you start, and like, now this is my second experience going to a major store. And so to walk in there and start seeing all these people, you get nervous, especially because you see all these tools everywhere. And so for me, all those tools, that's weapons. That's all like zombie apocalypse weapons. And you see these things. And so to go into Home Depot and see a good amount of people, you know, everybody's wearing masks, so you really can't see anybody either. And so that adds to it is that you can't see facial expressions. So you don't know who's pissed off, who's not, who you have to worry about. And so you start walking around. So I started carrying the shopping cart behind me. I started pulling the shopping cart behind me to protect my back, so to speak. And then just was like, just look, head on a swivel, head on a swivel, looking around, you know, just uh, look at it now because now I've gotten used to Home Depot. And so now it doesn't really bother me too much anymore when I walk. It happens every once in a while still, but only at certain places. Um, but that Home Depot experience was a rough one. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. I went on to ask Jason what he would tell other people that are formerly incarcerated. Um, we are the hidden citizens, you know, like, and so the more we hide, the better we are. We don't have to be bothered and exposed. Like I just got exposed for a job. And so that's what I tell people, like coming home, listen, you're gonna feel like you're spinning your wheels. Just keep spinning them, keep spinning them. Eventually they're gonna drop, you're gonna gain tracks and you're gonna start moving. But it's just, while they're spinning, oh, I don't know what to tell you, bro. <laughs> I learned yoga, do meditation, like call people, get a support circle, start reaching out. I reach out to people all the time. We ended our conversation with Jason telling me what he would tell both his son and his younger self, if he had the chance. Oh, man, listen more, man. Shut your mouth and just listen more. God. What would happen if we paid attention in a measurable way, not only to the impact that formerly incarcerated individuals have on communities, but to how they can enhance it? With the world's highest incarceration rate, it is naive of us as a country to not address the unhinged and unchecked harm caused by the carceral system 
and advance the natural and civil rights of those currently and formerly incarcerated. This is Tia in Nork, and thanks for listening to another episode of Hiding in Plain Sight, The Neighbors You Never Hear From. And if you're interested in ways to get involved with helping our neighbors locally, I encourage you to visit njforthouse.org. That's njforthouse.org. Or allofusornone-northernnj.com. That's allofusornone-northernnj.com. This series is part of the Nork News and Story Collaborative, made possible with the funding support of the Geraldine R. Dodge Foundation and the Victoria Foundation. The Nork News and Story Collaborative is committed to elevating community-driven storytelling to fill information gaps in local and national media. The collaborative trains community members in storytelling, media making, and other creative art forms to share and amplify their experiences. It's laying the groundwork for a collaborative network that will address longstanding information inequities in Newark, New Jersey. For more information and to hear local stories, visit www.newarkstories.com.